0: failing a date at the age of twenty-eight. Hello, welcome to episode eight. You're joining me from I wanna say week four of lockdown three in the UK. It is boring. Really, really boring, and I'm actually unemployed now as well. So, this is week one of unemployment. I'm three days into it, and I'm not loving it if I'm honest. It's really, really dull. I got furloughed for a little bit, but as they don't know when we can go back filming again, I'm now just plain old unemployed, good old fashioned unemployed. So, I did a couple of days for the BBC last week, and we we're working with the most amazing 85 year old actor. And I was just completely in awe of him all day. I don't know if you ever have this where you work with someone who's just so inspiring and doing the job that you wish you could do that well and I just spent the whole day thinking how captivating his voice was and how talented he was regardless of the fact he was 85 he was honestly just sensational. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was absolutely smashing it. So, yeah, it was really cool. It was a really good day. But I say it was a good day. We we're filming outside all day um, in these fields near Brighton. And I'd been given a hire car because you can't get public transport at the moment. So my hire car was given to me with hardly any fuel in it. But I thought it would be enough to get to location and back again. However, because it was such a freezing cold day and we had the 85-year-old actor and we were in the middle of nowhere, he was waiting in my car during setups and things, so I was blasting the heating. I wasn't in the car with him, obviously, COVID-friendly, he was sitting in the back. So he was waiting in the back with the heating on and I just didn't think that it would run down the fuel as much as it did. So when I got in the car at the end of the day, I realised I had barely any fuel left, And we weren't near a petrol station at all. So I join onto the motorway because I knew there was a services and I literally, as I pass the sign that says half a mile to the services, I hit deadlock traffic where there's been a crash literally just in front of me and I'm in the middle lane. So I can't even, I can't get anywhere. I don't know if you saw my Instagram story. I I put a video up being like, what do I do if I run out of fuel in the middle lane on the motorway? Like, what do you actually do? Does anyone know? Because no one seems to know. Everyone messaged me like different things and none of them seem like good ideas. Someone messaged saying, call 999. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. I did not. Well, at first I messaged him like, seriously, is that what you're meant to do? And he was like, no, obviously not. (laughs) You do not ring 999 if you're about to run out of fuel. I was also bursting for a wee because we've been filming outside all day. I don't know what it is about filming, but you kind of get used to not weeing. When you're shooting, you can't just be like, okay, got to go for a wee now. The rest of the crew and everyone were men. So I imagine they probably just weed in a bush subtly, but you can't really do that as a girl all the time, can you? Not very subtle. So I was absolutely bursting for a wee by the time I left. And on the motorway in the middle lane, it's not like I could even get out onto the hard shoulder or anything. I couldn't do anything. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to wet myself and run out of fuel on the motorway. (gasps) But fortunately, just as I was starting to absolutely panic, the traffic started moving and thankfully made it to the services. It was all fine. But we almost had a very dramatic day on our hands. So enough boring work chat. Today I wanted to talk about when me and my sister Sarah went to Thailand. It was quite a few years ago and we were your classic Brits abroad. I think I was 21 or 22, fresh out of drama school and ready for a good time. (laughs) If you've been to Thailand then you'll know exactly what it's like on the islands. It is messy and full of 17 to 25 year olds maybe? maybe a bit older sometimes, but generally, I mean, I had a great time, but I wouldn't go again. I don't know. I loved it when I was there, but let's just say I wouldn't go back now that I'm a super mature 28-year-old, you know? Sarah had been traveling already for a couple of months. She'd done the Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, really cultural side of things. And towards the end of her trip, she was doing the Thai Islands. And so I came to join her for that bit. And I was super poor working as a dog walker, could not really afford it. And so I think I got some super cheap flights, like three or 400 pounds. So pretty good considering going from the UK to Thailand. So I got these cheap flights and then me and Sarah were like, we'll just get really cheap accommodation when we're there. We'll just eat really cheap street food, it'll be fine. And you know what? We stuck to our budget and we barely spent anything. When we went to the island Ko Pepe, which if you've heard of it, it's like notorious for being the party island, so you've got Kopang Yang, which is where the full moon party is, and then Ko Pepi, which is kind of where people go before Koh Yang, I think or after, but it's a full on party every night on the beach, and I think a different bar hosts each night, so because it's such a small island, I think they all take it in turns to host. So yeah, so you never know what you're going to get each night. It's like a big wild party. And we didn't realise quite how, how wild it was going to be. So I think we'd only booked two or three days there. Needless to say, we missed our ferry back to the main island. And we ended up staying for a week. So we'd booked the cheapest accommodation there that we could find. We paid £8 a night for these cabins, which can only be described as a garden shed with a mattress on the floor and then a bathroom out the back but instead of a bathroom it had like a normal toilet but then it had a hose pipe coming out the wall which was the shower and oh it had a mosquito net over the mattress as well and that's it that's all it had I don't think it even had plugs it definitely had a light I remember having a light but I don't think there was anywhere to plug anything in The one night that we stayed there, we stayed there the first night and we could just hear this rustling in the bathroom. We were like, fucking hell, there's some sort of animal in there. Much like the snuffle pig from last week, there was some sort of animal in our bathroom. (laughs) So we were not thrilled and we were like, this calls for action. We need to find a solution to this problem. So we then made it our mission to not stay at the cabin, if you see what I mean. So Sarah found this wonderful man who had this divine air-conditioned room. So she absolutely lucked out there. And he was really hot as well. So um, so yeah, so off she went with him. So that was great. And I, I found myself, well, I had a dodgy start. So I, I met this gorgeous guy on the beach one night at one of the parties. And I was like, oh my God, he's literally amazing. He's so fit. And also, I only remembered this story last night. I wasn't going to include this story. I'd completely forgotten it happened. And then last night, I woke up in the middle of the night, had a dream that I couldn't catch a train, like I kept missing it. Don't know what that means. Anyone know what that means? Is it a sign for something? Anyway, so I woke up having had this dream, and I suddenly had this recollection of this happening and i don't know how i blanked it out of my brain because it's so good one night after all of the parties had finished on pp which must be pretty late i feel like they went on like all night anyway all the parties had finished i'd met this guy who was really lovely and so fit so great and we just ended up sat on the beach for hours just chatting and snogging and it was just great And then it got to a point where he was kind of like, oh, I've not been drinking that much, so I've not been feeling that well this evening. And he thought he'd eaten something dodgy, but he wasn't sure. He was like, I just had like a sore belly. And I was like, oh, okay, I hope you're all right. And then midway through snogging, he's like, oh my God, I really need the loo. And we weren't near anything that was either open or accessible. (laughs) We weren't anywhere near his, his accommodation or the shitty cabin or anything so he took himself off and he had the shits in the sand I kid you not he shit himself on the beach and I'm just there like wow I've really lucked out on this one haven't I so then he comes back and he's like majorly embarrassed I don't know why I waited I should have just been like okay have a good time I felt really bad and then he started being sick obviously I'm thinking great I'm so glad I have this effect on men (laughs) So yeah that's as far as that relationship went with that guy. Good little snog on the beach and then a shit in the sand. Kind of sums up all my relationships really. So the plan didn't really work out for me. I kind of ended up staying at the shack the whole time and Sarah's off in her aircon department with this guy (laughs) living the dream. So I'm there, Sarah comes back one morning and we're just like lying on this mattress on the floor talking about how shit the shack is and we need to pack because we're like due to go soon. And as we're lying there saying our oh, shit, it is a lizard crawls up the what's it called? Fly net, bug net, mosquito net. Wow, Jesus, cannot remember that word then. Um, <laughs> embarrassing. Edit that out. Um, so a, a lizard crawls up the mosquito net and shits on Sarah's face. So then we're like, oh my god, get us out of here. So we crawl out of the mosquito net bed situation and go to pack our bags. Sarah lifts up her classic backpacking backpack and there's a hole chewed out of the bottom of her bag. An animal has chewed its way through her rucksack and has obviously made a nest within her clothes. Fortunately, it was not there when when we opened it, to pack. Not that our clothes had been anywhere. I don't think there was a wardrobe or any drawers or anything, so it probably just open. Anyway, we suspect it was some sort of rodent. Now, I don't want to jump to conclusions and say that there's any more rats in any more stories that I have, but given my history of rat stories, it's quite likely that a rat made a nest in Sarah's bag. <laughs> it was so gross. So then from there, the guy Sarah had been getting with paid for us, to go to Koh Lanta which is like a really fancy little island and stay with him there for like a couple of days after the intensity of how much we partied on PP we needed it like we were desperate for like a getaway so we end up going with him I don't even know why that sounds like he like was a sugar daddy or something he definitely wasn't I think he said he'd like pay for our room or something Or he was like, oh, I'm getting a boat anyway, so I might as well pay for you guys. Whatever it was, we were like, yes, please, count us in. So off we went on our merry way to Koh Lanta. I think it was called Koh Lanta. I might just be making these names up. But it was one of those classic Thai islands that you see in the pictures. Like a white sandy beach and those big rock formations. And just absolutely beautiful. So we stay there for a couple of nights and nothing crazy really happens. But then... It's time to go to Koh Yang for the full moon party. I'm really struggling to remember the order of events, but I'm pretty sure Koh Yang was the last place we went to. So whilst we were on PP, we made friends with a group of about maybe eight of us. And one of the people in the group was an Argentinian guy who was like, I want to say five foot three or five foot four maybe and I really fancied him. Now if you don't know me I'm five foot nine so that's a little bit of a height difference but we didn't end up getting together for a little while. I think I mean we were only in Thailand for three weeks or something but I knew him pretty much the whole time we met him really early on and we were always partying together and stuff and he was just really great and we'd go on like boat trips all as a group and just got on really really well. So then we get to Ko Phangan Yang. And there's a jungle party a couple of days before the full moon party. So it's kind of like, I don't know, this, uh, is it the half moon party? I don't know. Anyway, before we get a chance to go to the jungle party, Sarah gets really ill, like can't stop being sick, can't eat anything. And we just think she's got food poisoning, but she's not really eating anything different to I to what I've had. So yeah, we're super confused about why she's so ill, but she literally can't even get out of bed almost to the point where I can't remember if we did get a doctor but it was close it was close to that point like she was so sick and the night of the jungle party she insists that I have to go out without her I mean 28 year old me would never do that wouldn't go to a jungle party now anyway but wouldn't would not leave her but 21 year old me no problem, of course I'll leave you on death's door in your room um, being sick, bless her. So off I go with our mates in what can only be described as the back of a truck. I just remember being in this like rickety metal truck being driven into the absolute middle of nowhere about an hour away from where we're staying for this jungle party and it's really fun but I didn't really stay that long, didn't really drink that much because I kind of felt like I was with strangers and it was the middle of nowhere i just felt a bit weird i don't know it kind of came to my senses then and was like oh I feel bad for my sister i should probably go back but there was no way of getting back apart from there were all these women lined up with mopeds and the one thing my mum and dad made me promise before i went to thailand was do not get on a moped so i was like i can't i can't get a moped what what in the heck do I do? (laughs) There were no other options and everyone else was getting mopeds and I said to the guys we were with and they weren't ready to go yet but I was like how do I get home? They were like you just get a moped it's fine. So in my slightly drunk state I was like I guess I've got to get a moped then. So I go up to this woman, go up to the kindest looking one I can find and I'm like this is where I've got to get to But I've promised my mum and dad that I won't die on a moped, so you have to drive really carefully. (laughs) But she doesn't speak, like, amazing English. So she's like, oh, no die, no die. Sorry if that's a really bad impression, but that is what I remember. It's ingrained in my brain because... We agreed to the, I agreed to the journey and every time we go for a bump I'm like careful and she just shouts at me constantly no die no die but she finds it really really funny so she's literally mocking me the whole way back shouting no die but I didn't die didn't fall off it was fine but about an hour on a moped on hideous roads that are like pitch black as well we went through like jungle literally anything could have happened she could have just taken me away and like killed me in a jungle <laughs> I guess it's the same as getting like an uber here but just more dangerous there were so many potholes and we just flew through them like we were invincible and it was um it was terrifying but that's kind of like my motto for life now no die (laughs) crazy oh it was very funny but yeah I got back and my sister was like how'd you get back I was like a moped it was really traumatic (laughs) but I made it, and she made it, and do you know what, it turned out, a few years later, we realised, or not even years, probably a few months later, um, she actually has a severe allergy to pineapple, and she'd eaten loads of pineapple, yeah, not food poisoning at all, actually allergic to pineapple, probably could have died, and I left her to go to a jungle party, but no die. so it's all good. Sarah was still ill for full moon party, unfortunately. So we decided to go and not drink. Obviously she couldn't drink, but she was feeling up to like actually going. So in solidarity with her, I think, actually, I think I had one bucket, which is probably enough to kill you. But have one, if you don't know what buckets are in Thailand, it's like a you buy a bucket and it's got like a mini bottle of vodka and Red Bull or like you can buy whatever. So I bought one bucket and I was like, I just have one bucket. Whereas normally we'd be like downing buckets all night. I don't know how my liver survived that trip, to be honest so we go to the full moon party what a mistake it's absolute carnage just so busy all of the brits on the beach and it's a full moon so like the waves are really aggressive and people are in the sea like drowning essentially it's really quite horrific and then half the people are like taking mushrooms taking mushrooms is that how you say that i don't know doing mushrooms Don't know, not very down with the kids. (laughs) Anyway, so half people are mushrooms, half people are wasted, and then there's me and Sarah sober and not enjoying ourselves. So we go home pretty early. Didn't love that. Wouldn't recommend it. But I did see my Argentinian friend again. I don't think I got with him that night, but he came to where we were staying the next day, and we just kind of spent the day together. And I remember being in the sea with him and we had this like really romantic cute moment where he like interlocked my hands and then we had this beautiful snog in the sea and it was the first time we kissed. And I think it might be the best kiss ever. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's just that perfect moment. We obviously both wanted it to happen and then it was like just so cute. Anyway he was lovely. So then he'd come to see me at this hotel where I was staying with Sarah but we had a twin room and he was kind of like can I stay over but obviously I didn't want him to stay over in the twin room and he was staying in a hostel so I didn't want to stay at his hostel so then he was like it's cool I'll find us some accommodation and then came back like an hour later and he was like cool I found somewhere for us to stay th- tonight so I checked with Sarah she's fine she's like cool got the room to myself anyway so he takes me to where he's booked and we start walking down to the beach and i'm like oh is this is random like where are we going and we get to i think it must have been like a five star hotel that had tree houses on the beach and it's for honeymooners i kid you not he booked a honeymoon suite tree house because it's all they had left <laughs> so we literally pretend to these hotel people that we're on our honeymoon and we stay in this treehouse on the beach and it was unreal compared to the other shitty places me and Sarah stayed through that holiday. <laughs> I felt like I really lucked out just one night with um, my five foot three Argentinian man. And it was just delightful at the best time. I'd love to remember what it was called so that I could I could look it up because, yeah, it was just amazing. Maybe I'll go there on my actual honeymoon one day. <laughs> so that concludes episode eight of how not to date at 28. If you're ever in Thailand, don't book any kind of cabin or hut for £8 a night. Definitely go for the treehouse on the beach. That's uh, That's my advice there. And words to live by, no die. That's it. That's all the wisdom I have for this week. Have a lovely lockdown week, month, year, and I'll be back again soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye. She's failing it down.